Sangitam Hirjana, what is known as Yoga, Tam Vidyat know that to be Dukkha Sanyoga Vyogam. Really, what is known as Yoga is nothing but Vyoga, disassociation, Dukkha Sanyoga from the association with pain or sorrow. <coughs> as we discussed yesterday, that a human being is born ignorant of his true nature, knowledge of the true nature, and therefore takes himself to be quite contrary to what he is. And therefore, one who is in fact limitless in nature, takes himself to be limited. One who is ever free in nature, takes himself to be bound. And thus, I take myself to be a limited, a bound person. This is how I, I perceive myself. <clears throat> and this perception of myself comes on account of taking what I am not, namely the body-mind complex as, as the self. So where there are two, as we said, the person and the personality, the self and non-self are lumped together and taken to be one. And therefore, I take this body to be myself, the mind to be myself, as a result of which all the limitations of body, etc. are thought to be my limitations. And this is how, even though I am free from every limitation, I nevertheless take myself to be a very limited being. And it is the sense of limitation of myself which is the cause of unhappiness with my own self. 
So I become unhappy with myself because I find myself a limited being and my unhappiness with myself or my non-acceptance or my rejection of my own self is the cause of sorrow. <coughs> and therefore, the way to become free from sorrow, as we said, is to, to be able to accept myself. And I cannot accept myself unless I find myself acceptable to me. And therefore, Dukkha Sanyoga Vyoga, the way to become disassociated from non-acceptance of myself, and thus proceed on the path of self-acceptance, as we said, is in two stages as taught by Bhagavad Gita. The first stage is Karma Yoga, where I perform an action which gives me a satisfaction. And the action gives me satisfaction when that action is performed in keeping with the values. When I follow dharma, when I follow what is right thing to do, anasitaha karma phalam karyam karma karodhyaha, whenever I'm able to perform an action, I'm able to do what is right thing to do, without an expectation or without a consideration for what the personal reward is. So whenever I'm able to do what is appropriate, right thing to do in a given situation, without any consideration of whether it gives me any personal reward, that very attitude, that very spirit is is conducive to causing self-satisfaction, understand? What gives me what you may call job satisfaction is of course having done a good job and I feel proud of myself, that's one thing. But as Lord Krishna explains, performing that action, do a good job of course, that's good. But if that job or that action is performed as an offering, when I recognize that, I become an instrument in contributing to somebody's comfort or happiness. So whenever I see myself as an instrument in contributing some comfort or some happiness to somebody, when I become the cause of somebody's happiness, with what I do, that is the most conducive to gain a satisfaction about myself. <clears throat> so the satisfaction that comes by being able to give something, do something, offer something, serve somebody, is a great satisfaction which is conducive to my self-esteem and self-worth. This basically life of Karma Yuga is nothing but helping myself. Because every time an action is performed in the spirit of yoga, in the spirit of making an offering, the same time, without any calculation or consideration for what the personal reward will be, then that action is very conducive to discovering a satisfaction about myself. And this is what it is. What causes sorrow in my heart is primarily a dissatisfaction with myself or a non-acceptance of myself, whereas performing action in the spirit of yoga as Lord Krishna teaches is very conducive to discovering a self-worth and satisfaction in myself. So this becomes the first stage of disassociation 
from the association with pain. Because association with pain is the nature of, as I said, self-dissatisfaction or self-non-acceptance. And then the second stage, of course, is when my mind becomes reasonably comfortable with myself. When I reasonably become free from inner conflict, which arises from my not accepting myself. When I discover a comfort with myself, then one can say that the Karma Yoga has served the purpose and now I'm ready for the next stage of what we call Jnana Yoga or a life of contemplation. Wherein now, since I'm comfortable with myself, the mind is abiding in myself, now the mind is available really to contemplate upon the nature of the self. To make my then the mind is now ready to be able to listen to the scriptures and deliberate upon what the scriptures say to discover the fact that in fact happiness or freedom is my nature. And with Dhyana Yoga to gain an abidance in that is the ultimate in the disassociation of the pain. <coughs> so Juna, what I am teaching you is nothing but really disassociation with pain, which is what every human being wants anyway. Every human being naturally, invariably wants happiness, and that means that dukkha nivrutti, avoiding or disassociating with pain, is what everyone is attempting every moment in their own way. But this is the right way. In other ways, when we try to disassociate with pain by acquiring something, by becoming something, whatever, in fact we are lending into more pain, usually. So therefore, Bhagavad Gita teaches how to progressively become free from sorrow. And own up the freedom and happiness which is my nature, which ultimately culminates into owning up the fact that I am limitless. <coughs> Therefore, Arjuna, may you perform this yoga with a determination, with a conviction that this is the way to do. <coughs> so when that conviction is there as to what should be the process of my life, what should be the goal of my life is to gain complete freedom from all sorrow and therefore to gain limitless happiness. But the process is not to acquire something that I don't have. The process is to get of something which I have. <coughs> in terms of likes and dislikes, in terms of the false notions, nischena yoktabhya. Let there be a clarity. In which case, there will be no conflict. When the clarity is there, and the conviction is there, then there is no conflict in having to make a sacrifice. If I am required to let go of something, required to let go of my ego, let go of my likes and dislikes, I will not have conflict. I know that by so doing, in fact, I am helping myself. <coughs> Otherwise, ego is a very difficult thing to give up. Because ego itself is to give up the ego. And therefore, if this conviction is not there, ego will reach in itself and then do everything else. And therefore, and ego will not go away like that. A lot of poison will come. So when they are churning the milky ocean, before the ambrosia comes, the poison comes.
and so whatever poison is there of likes, dislikes, whatever, all of that will come. And be ready to swallow that or, or, or give it up. Anirindhichetasa, without becoming disappointed or dejected, may you with determination continue on this path. <coughs> Follow this path and continue on that. Having emphasized the need or importance of this yoga, Lord Krishna again briefly tells us the Dhyana Yoga, how to perform the meditation upon the self. In the verse 24, Lord Krishna says, <coughs> 24 and 25 together. Sankalpa Prabhavan Kaman Sankalpa Shanai Shanai Ruparamede Buddhya Dhriti Gruhitaya Atma Samstammanah Kritva Nakinchida Pichintaye Again, briefly describing the preparation for meditation upon the self, Lord Krishna says, first of all, make your mind quiet. Disturb from the mind the factors, I mean remove from the mind the disturbing factors. So, first he said, Sankalpa prabhavan kamaan tyaktva sarvan asyeshataha. Sarvan Kaman Aseshadha Tektva. Give up all the desires to begin with. So give up all the desires, give up all the ragadveshas, give up anything that is disturbing the mind. When you start meditation, close your eyes. If the mind is tranquil right away, then nothing is to be done. Meaning, no then preparation, no further preparation is required. But if you mind that the mind is not, you find that the mind is not quite tranquil, it's not quiet, then we have to make it quiet. What is it that typically disturbs the mind? Lord Krishna identifies that entity as karma, as desire, which also can be understood as raga and dvesha, likes and dislikes. So it is likes and dislikes. It is the various impulses that we have. It can be also, it also includes anger, also includes frustration, jealousy, resentment, whatever. All of these are also included in Ragadvesha. If any of these things come up when you, when you are ready to meditate, you find that the mind is disturbed or the mind is not quite available for me to meditate, then we have to first of all remove those factors which disturb the mind. 
And Lord Krishna identifies those factors as Raga and Dvesha. And so, all the various disturbing impulses can be reduced to these two, Raga and Dvesha. So, Lord Krishna says, first of all, make the mind free from Raga Dveshas. <coughs> as we say, that this is an appointment with myself. This meditation upon self is an appointment with myself. And therefore, I give up all the agenda. There is nothing, there is no appointment with anybody else right now. There is no agenda right now. The only agenda is to be with myself. At this time, I have no duties, no responsibilities. At this time, I am not performing any roles. All the roles are given up. I require to perform various roles during the whole day when I am interacting with the world. <coughs> a man may be a father or a son or a brother or a colleague or a boss or a superior or a subordinate or whatever. During the day, so many roles, a woman also has to perform similarly a number of roles. And each role has its own demands and therefore the mind is engaged in fulfilling those demands and performing these roles. Right now, all the roles are dropped. I have no role to perform. I am not a mother, nor father, neither husband, nor wife. I am none of those things. I am a simple person, that's what I am. Having no role to play. It's like an actor going to a green room and dropping all the costumes. So also, I drop all the costumes. And I remain what I truly am, namely a simple conscious person. Because it is not the father who is meditating or not the mother who is meditating. If during meditation also I retain those identifications, and sometimes strong identification may not go, but therefore I am... So whenever mind comes up with any question, any thought, any concern, the concern will always be with somebody playing the role. All the concerns are about the role. What will happen to my son? What will happen to my husband? What will happen to my wife? What will happen to my... this? Any kind of thing. So any concerns that we have are only because of the various roles that we play. And the concerns will go when all the roles also have dropped. Right now, I have no responsibility. I am not to fulfill anybody's demands. I don't have to prove myself. I don't have to gain anybody's acceptance. Nothing. I am in my private quarter where I am not being judged by anybody and therefore there is no concern about being judged or being accepted by anybody. Kevalya Upanishad says, Atyashramastaha. You become a sannyasi at that time. Because grihastha means lots of responsibilities. Even a brahmachari also lot of things to do. Even a vanaprastha also things to do. Even a sannyasi also. If you have taken sannyasa by ritual or by the ceremony, then there also various duties are there. Atyashramas, I don't belong to any ashrama. I am not a brahmachari, nor a grihastha, nor a vanaprastha, nor a sannyasa, I am nothing. 
and there were no duties. Moment any any kind of an identification is there's always a duty. I'm not a Brahman, not a Kshatriya, nothing. Because everybody has duties to perform. I'm not father nor mother, nothing, because they also have to perform duties. I'm none of those things. And therefore the duties and demands associated with those roles, they don't belong to me. So I'm not accountable. I'm not answerable. I don't have to fulfill any demands. Which is true. You just reduce yourself to a simple person that you are. Because that is our real identity. Others are all the various roles that we perform because we are required to perform. But truly, what each one of us is, is nothing but a simple person. And Swamiji says, Hey, this, is, this person is your wife only with reference to you. She's not wife all the time. She's wife only with reference to you. She's a person, basically. And wife to you, mother to the child. But basically, a simple person. <clears throat> so become a simple person. No roles, no duties, no responsibilities, no agenda. Also, nirashif, become free from all expectations and desires. Remind the mind. Hey mind, there is nothing to be achieved. Ah, the only agenda is to be with myself. And the self is what? Self in fact is limitless. Self is Brahman. So limitlessness is my nature. And therefore, this is an appointment with myself. There is nothing to be achieved, nothing to be accomplished. Calm down, because the mind has tension. What will happen? Will I be successful? There is no success here. Give up all that ideas. You're not doing something to become successful, etc. Give up that idea. This is orientation. Whenever I do something, I must be successful. And in meditation, all kinds of ideas are there. Some new experience must come. Nothing has to happen. And so, let the mind become free from every stress and tension which come from some expectation. Nirashi, parigraha, no expectation. If a mind makes any desire, you know, come, says, why do you want? Who are you? Recognize that you are limitless. You don't have to fulfill them. You don't need anything. Which is true. All the needs are only imagined needs. Only needs arise because I take myself to be a, an inadequate person. But that is a false notion. I'm not an inadequate person. I know I no lack, no want. And therefore, I don't need anything. So this is how all the various two things can disturb. Either because the mind thinks that it needs something, then we remind the mind that, hey, you are what you want to be, and therefore any need is all illegitimate. All requirements are illegitimate, because you don't need anything. You are like the ocean, you are full and complete, and therefore there is no need anything, you don't need anything. If there are concerns about duties, as you know, role to play. Lord Krishna said earlier, who the yoga arudha, who the person who is prepared for meditation upon the self, is the one in whom there is no desire to enjoy any object and there is no pressure of performing any duty. 
So this is internal pressure. External pressures are there. I mean, you can always go to a solid place of solitude and thus become free from external disturbances. But then the internal disturbances, internal pressures are there of doing this and doing that and calm down. So make the mind free from all internal pressures because there's no need to have any pressure. Sankalpa prabhavan kamaan tyaktva sarvan asheshatah And therefore making the mind completely free from any of these factors, disturbing factors that arise from a sense of duty or a sense of need or a sense of accomplishment, this mind becomes calm. Manasaeva, with that calm mind, Indriyagramam samantataha vinyamya, with that mind, now slowly make all see, all the sense organs also completely composed. The sense organs will be composed because the mind that actually prompts the sense organs to do things, when the mind doesn't make any demand, the sense organs also, organs of perception as well as organs of action also, vinyamya, will be under control. Meaning that the whole gramam, gram is a group, the group organs of perception and action also is composed. So mind is composed and also sense organs of perception and organs of action also are composed. Then we want the mind to be slowly focused upon the self, shanaihi shanaihi uparamed. Lord Krishna says, slowly and slowly now, Make the mind introvert. Make the mind inward looking. Make the mind centered upon the self. Shanaihi, shanaihi. So before the meditation, the mind was engaged in thinking of the whole world. So we have to slowly make their mind think about the self. Lord Krishna Use the expression shanaihi shanaihi slowly and slowly, not not sahasa, not right away. Therefore, it's a good idea to slowly and slowly narrow down the field of thinking of the mind until it narrows down completely to self. And therefore, some methods are suggested. The first step one can employ is to Make the mind, let the mind think about the body. Let it stop thinking about what is outside the body and let the mind focus its attention on the body. So we cannot make the mind right away free from thought or free from occupation because it is nature of mind to do something. Therefore, we give the mind an occupation. O mind, confine yourself to the thinking about body. And therefore, deliberately focus the attention of the mind on the body. Start from the toe of the right foot. Let the mind focus attention and feel the presence of the toe. And then slowly and slowly move upward to the sole and to the heels and to the calf muscles, to the knees, to the thighs, to the hips. Let the mind slowly travel along the right half of the body. And as it travels and becomes conscious, you find that slowly and slowly that part of the body becomes relaxed. And the mind also becomes relaxed. And 
from the pelvic region slowly rise about to the abdomen and to the chest and to the th- I mean to the uh, shoulders <coughs> slowly along the neck rise the, the, the face and then to the head and thus you slowly travel along the right half of the body from the toe to the tip one may take one's own time in doing that there is nothing, no hurry, and nothing is to finished here. Let there be adequate time available. Don't say there are 17 minutes to do that because that's difficult. If something is waiting after 17 minutes, then that's what the mind will think of. You know, it looks at, oh, 10 minutes gone. So let the mind have, be free that there is nothing waiting after. I finish my meditation that I have to catch a bus or something like that. You know, if that kind of a demand is, the mind will not relax. Or that I will finish this in a certain time, again mind will not be relaxed. There are all the time available. And so that mind is no problem in taking its own time, as I said, to mentally massaging the body. Then from the the tip, slowly come down the left side of the body all the way up to the toe. This way the whole body also gets relaxed and mind also gets relaxed. Mind also gets a certain occupation to do. Except that so far it was thinking about the whole world and now its field of thought is confined to the body. <coughs> when that is done Next, give the mind another occupation, a little subtler occupation with a more limited field and let the mind observe the breathing. Without interfering the breathing process, let the mind observe the movement of air, exhalation and inhalation that is taking place. Let the mind pay attention to the tip of the nose and observe the inhalation, exhalation. Again quietly, in a relaxed manner, with no hurry, with no nothing to accomplish. And you'll find that the breathing also becomes quiet, mind also becomes quiet. <coughs> and thirdly, you the mind, yet subtle occupation. Further narrow the field of the mind. Now you can start repeating a name or a mantra, Sijapa. Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. Mind still is an occupation. But you can see, at every stage, slowly, the field of mind is becoming narrower and narrower and narrower. Or whatever mantra, whatever name you like, let the mind repeat that with devotion. You become further relaxed and further quiet. And then finally, then, having done this, so this is a prayerful meditation. When we repeat Om Namah Shivaya or a mantra or a name like that, it is meditation, meditation upon Saguna Brahma, meditation upon Ishvara with attributes, such as Shiva or Krishna or Rama, that's what we call Saguna Brahma. It becomes prayerful meditation. 
still involving the meditator, the devotee, and what he's meditating upon. Then finally, now, you can shift the attention from the mantra to the one who is aware of the mantra. <coughs> Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya is being chanted. That this mantra or this thought, Om Namah Shivaya, is illumined, is illumined by the consciousness. That's why I'm aware of it. The fact that I'm aware of the thought means that the thought is being illumined, its thought is shining in the consciousness, thought is being illumined by the conscious awareness, and therefore, from the thought, may I shift my attention to that because of which the thought is seen, or the thought is known, and so, therefore, the thought also becomes a gateway of shifting my focus to the consciousness because of which the thought is in fact illumined, the consciousness myself. So this is how then we come to our own self. Who am I? I am in the beginning the witness, witness of the thought. I am the witness of thought, Om Namah Shivaya. So from the mantra of the thought, I come to the witness. I am the witness, the conscious witness, the conscious silent witness I am. And finally, even that witness also may let one may let go. That witness also is a role, that's the ultimate role. And in fact, I'm not even witness. I am simply the witnessing consciousness. So Lord Shanahi Shanahi May one slowly, may one withdraw slowly in this way and let the mind be focused then upon the self. Now minds focusing upon the self is somewhat different from the minds focusing upon a mantra or, or, or a thought. When we say that the mind is focusing upon the self, it is not the self stands apart from the mind. In that way the focus is mind becoming the self. Mind not focusing upon self as different from itself, but the mind is resolving the self. Just as a wave resolving into water. Or an ornament resolving into gold, and so also mind resolving into consciousness because Consciousness or self is the true nature of the mind. This is where the teaching comes to aid. That who am I? I am in fact consciousness is my true nature. And therefore there is no need also to retain the status of a witness. And so witness also is let go. And in the witness resolves into what we call the witnessing conscious, this consciousness. Atma-sam-sam-manakrutva Appreciating the fact that consciousness is my nature, or limitlessness is my nature, existence is my nature, silence is my nature. Nakinjita-pichindaye Just remain in that appreciation and don't bring any other thoughts. Nothing further is to be thought.
atmasamsam, making the mind abiding in the self. <clears throat> what is meant by mind abiding in the self is mind resolving the self. In this case, knowing is becoming. So knowing and becoming is all one. Therefore, knowing the self is becoming the self. Knowing Satchidananda is becoming Satchidananda. Atmanirdvayat, Atmanishthata. Ramana Maharshi says that because Atma is non-dual, because self is non-dual, meaning that the knower known knowledge, this kind of duality is not there, that also resolves. And therefore, Atmanishthata, knowing myself is nothing but just remaining myself, being myself. <coughs> So Lord Krishna says, this is how may you meditate, may you see the nature of yourself. Meditation in this case is nothing but knowing or seeing or becoming. When it comes to meditating upon a form of Lord, when it comes to meditating upon a name or a form or an attribute of the Lord, then my status as a meditator is retained. When it comes to the meditation upon my own self, then the state of the meditator also is not there. All there is is the content of the meditator. As we said yesterday, that if we examine what is the content of the knower, the content of the knower, the known and knowledge is nothing but consciousness. And therefore, the mind is no more now has the role of a knower also or witness also, that role also is dropped in recognition that even witness also I am not, I am simple consciousness. Svatma samsam manakrutva This is how Lord Krishna again summarizes the process of bringing the mind to one's own self and remaining as a self. Understand that meditation upon self is just remaining as a self. There the duality of the meditator and meditator is not there. All there is is simply I remaining as a self. <coughs> In that process if you find that the mind is getting distracted <coughs> Then Lord Krishna says in the verse 26, Yato yato nischarati Manas chanchala masthiram Tatas tato niyam yaitata Atmanyeva vasham Chanchalam asthitar asthiram manaha yato yato nischarati yato yataha for whatever reason chanchalam asthiram chanchalam the restless asthiram unsteady the restless and unsteady mind actually there is no reason for the mind really to get distracted because what the mind is seeking is what it is. 
When the mind recognizes that, I'm, I'm complete, happiness I am. So mind resolving into its wholeness, like a wave resolving into water, which is, which is vast or which is uh, limitless, ocean. And so also there is no reason why the mind should really want to give up this. Just as when we are fast asleep, there is no reason for us to give up the sleep at all. Who would want to get from their sleep, give up that, get that experience? Who wants to plunge into all the conflicts of the day? Nobody wants it. And still we find that we are, we are woken up from sleep anyway. It's not the alarm wakes us up, even if you don't have alarm, sometimes you'll wake up. The alarm will wake you up at 6 o'clock, otherwise you'll wake up at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Sometime you'll wake up. Even a teenager will wake up at 11 o'clock. Some days to wake up. The deep sleep is a very pleasurable experience. And therefore, really there is no reason why I should not give up that pleasurable experience and then come into all the conflicts. And still I find that I am woken up anyway. Not only I'm, not that I am woken up by somebody else. In fact, my, my own mind will wake me up. If my mother does not wake me up, if the alarm, alarm clock does not wake up and mom does not wake up, it is my mind will wake me up. Because in the mind, there are still unresolved things. There are still habitual, as they say, the habitual error which is there in the mind. There are these unresolved likes and dislikes. There may be some little resentment remaining there, some anger remaining there, some desire remaining there. In fact, they are all products of ignorance. And there is no reason to continue in the wake of the knowledge. But the knowledge has to slowly percolate into my entire being, understand? Therefore, the knowledge that I am Brahman, or that I am complete or I am limitless, has to percolate in every aspect of my being, then only it becomes an abiding knowledge. So as long as in my subconscious or whatever, there are still some unresolved things, all of them have to surface and have to resolve them. Therefore, it is possible that some desires which are not fulfilled may come up. Some likes and dislikes which were still not resolved may come up. Things may come up. Lord Krishna says they will come up. It's likely that they will come up. Yesterday we said how in a very calm pool of water there may be some organic matter at the bottom which is decaying and the decaying organic matter releases some gas which gets released from the surface as bubbles and that keeps disturbing the surface. There's no reason, really. And so also there does not appear to be any reason why my mind should disturb. It does, does still get disturbed because there are still unresolved things in the mind. Therefore Lord Krishna says, yato yato nishcharati. For whatever reason, the mind gets distracted. Chanchalam asthiram. The mind still has some restlessness. Asthiram, it is still unsteady. And therefore, the restless and unsteady mind, for whatever reason, gets distracted. Meaning that, 
it gets distracted from its object of meditation and start thinking of something else. And this applies to any form of meditation. Even the prayerful meditation that we perform in terms of japa. So, whether you are meditating upon a form, meditating upon a name, meditating upon a, on a mantra, in any meditation, distraction is possible as long as the mind is not completely calm or completely resolved. Therefore, it is possible that a thought of something that I la- love, something that I like, or something that I wanted, which want is not fulfilled, that thought may come. A thought of a desire or want may come. Something that I dislike, that also may come. Therefore, it is likely that the likes and dislikes, which are, understand that through the process of karma yoga, most of the likes and dislikes are resolved. What remains is only some residual thing. So some residual likes and dislikes, some residual things. In Vedanta they also use the word kashaya. Kashaya is this unresolved thoughts, which are no relevance at all sometimes. Or it may be some desires or likes and dislikes which have not been resolved. <coughs> you see what happens is that in our day-to-day interaction, very often that interaction is not concluded. We do not settle account every time. I talk to you, I talk to you for five minutes, but then the that conversation leaves a certain residue in my mind. You say something which I did not like inside. And therefore, a certain amount of dislike may remain even after you leave. Or I say something which I think the later thing is not good, then a sense of hurt or guilt may remain. Some guilt, some hurt, some little disappointment. If what you say something, you know, I was not happy about. So, some disappointment, some frustration, some hurt, some guilt is likely to remain as a residue after that conversation or after that interaction. And therefore, we do not close the account. Every interaction in the world, or most of them, seem to leave some or the other residue in my mind. And all these residues pile up inside. Since I am very busy, I don't have time to address the mind and therefore they all get piled up because they don't receive my attention. I am too busy to pay attention to these things. So then when will they have an opportunity to, to seek my attention? When all the elders are gathered together, they are all talking busy, the poor child does not get attention. So what will the child do? Throw some tantrums do some screaming, or jump up and down, or dance, and entertain everybody, enjoy everybody's attention. And so also those unresolved residual things, which generally do not receive my attention because I am too busy. Now that I am meditating, I have nothing else to do, then they start drawing my attention, which they find a good opportunity. Like the mother will not attend to the child because she is busy, but then, 
when the mother's friend comes and they are talking, that time the child finds a good opportunity because to draw mother's attention. And then he, he makes her himself, you know, he somehow gets what he wants from the mother. So understand that similarly also these unresolved things in the mind, they find it very convenient to draw our attention when the mind has become tranquil. And therefore, it is likely that as long as these bija or seeds are there, so long they will show up and they will disturb the mind. It will happen. Yato yato nishchari, for whatever reason you find that the mind runs away. So, nishchari means goes out. Then, tatas tatahanyamya, may you look at, may you understand what's the reason why the mind is distracted. So here Vedanta teaches us to use the tool of Viveka. Viveka means discrimination or discernment. We cannot just pull the mind away, but there is something that is bothering the mind. Let us be kind to our mind first of all. And not try to just be angry or you know, snatch the mind away or pull it inside. Because mind is a very delicate instrument. And therefore, with patience and kindness, we look at the mind and see what is that disturbing the Why is the mind bothered? Why is it disturbed? Because there is some desire, there is some hurt, there is some guilt, there is some anger, there is some resentment, there is some frustration, there is some disappointment. Something is there which comes up. Somebody said something yesterday, something happened fifteen days ago, whatever. All kinds of things are there. So all those things are resolved, I mean they're all, all stored up inside. So when the mind comes up with something like that, let us observe the mind and see what is the reason why the mind is this. What is this difficulty? And release the mind from that. If it is a dvesha, a mind comes up with some aversion or dislike for something, then we deliberately make the mind see what is the likable aspect of that very same thing. By pratipaksha bhavana and release the mind from dislike. If the mind comes up with a like or an attachment, then we make the mind see the unlikable aspect of that thing, which is always there. Everything is like the coin having two sides. And therefore, there is always something likable and something dislikable. Mind normally sees likable and gets attached to the thing. Or sees dislikable and has aversion for that. So we make the mind see the other side. And therefore, its impulse of likes and dislikes will be, will be resolved. <coughs> This has to be done. This is called vairagya. Yato yato nishchari. For whatever reason the mind runs away. Or you can, there is even a better method, a little superior method, a subtler method. Whenever mind thinks of anything, any object, any person, any name and form, understand that basically there are two entities. Like in a part, there are two things. One is 
the pot has a form and a name and it is made of clay. So you can say that there are two entities here, clay and the pot, meaning name and form. Although you cannot say there are two really, it's only one. But still, as though the names and forms are imposed upon the clay and we call the entity a pot. So I'm meditating upon clay. Then all of a sudden the mind goes into the, the form. Then what do I do? I bring the mind, shift the focus again from the name and form to clay. Similarly, as we have discussed earlier, every name and form such as a part is essentially what we call asti bhati priyam. A part is, a part shines, and a part is attractiveness. Is is called asti, shines is called bhati, attractiveness is called priyam. A flower also is, shines in my consciousness, has an attractiveness. Flower asti, flower bhati, it is priyam. And so with every object, we find that these three are invariably associated asti, bhati, priyam. That is the most common denominator of every object, good, bad or indifferent. So what separates one object from the other is the name and form. Just as if there are many vessels made of clay, then what separates one vessel from the other is its name and form, but the clay is a common denominator. And so also, what separates one entity from the other entity is just a name and form, but then that every entity is asti bhati priyam, satchit ananda is an, is, is, is an obtaining fact. Therefore, moment the name thinks of name and form, moment the mind thinks of name and form, that's called distraction. I want the mind to think out, to be focused on asti bhati priyam, which is myself. Then because of force of habit, it gets into name and form. Yato yato nishyarati tatastato niyamya. Shift the focus from name and form to asti bhati priyam, which is myself. So this is seeing the reality. Earlier method was what we call vairagya, meaning resolving the likes and dislikes. The second method is seeing the reality of any object which is nothing but the self. Therefore, Lord Krishna says that be alert. And when you find that the mind gets distracted, shift this focus from the object of distraction again to the self, which is always nothing is ever apart from the self, understand? Just as no Clay, vessel is apart from clay. And so also, no name and form, no object is apart from asti bhati priyam. That is myself actually. Meaning nothing is apart from the self or the consciousness. And therefore, alertly shift the attention of the mind from the name and form back to the consciousness or asti bhati priyam, which is myself. <coughs> So this is called meditation. Thus, 
Meditation implies that there is still some residual distraction or restlessness in the mind. And therefore, that work needs to be done. When the mind becomes truly free from distraction and free from all restlessness. And that is when everything in the mind is resolved. So whatever comes up is resolved. Then ultimately, the mind becomes completely free from all disturbing factors. And then it naturally and effortlessly abides in its own self. Which is what the next verse tells us. Let us read that verse also. <clears throat> Prashanta manasam hyenam Yoginam sukhamuttamam Upaiti shanta rajasam Brahma bhutama kalmasham Enam prashanta manasam yoginam Enam yoginam this yogi who is prashanta manasam whose mind is completely tranquil prakarshena shantam shantam means tranquil prashantam completely tranquil meaning that now there is nothing inside no inside pressure at all to disturb the mind it is shantam and tranquil as long as tranquility is through an effort but as a result of this effort done for a long time when the mind becomes free from disturbing distracting factors is called prashantam it is completely tranquil effortlessly tranquil then what happens? Enam yoginam, this yogi, this meditator, this aspirant, who is now one, whose mind has gained complete tranquility. <coughs> Uttamam, so that tranquility is, is also explained by Lord Krishna in the second line, Shantarajasam akalmasam. These two words are said there, Shantarajasam. The mind is tranquil because all the rajas. Rajas means agitation. Shanta rajasam because all the agitations have become quiet. All the agitations have been resolved. By the process that we described earlier. That whatever be the reason why the mind gets disturbed or distracted. Release the mind from that cause of the distraction and this distraction and so the mind again comes back to itself. By that process which is done for length of time, when then all the disturbance of the mind they are resolved. Shantarajasam, all the rajas. Rajas means there is restlessness. Rajas means agitation. So agitations, restlessness, whatever causes were there, when all of them are removed by the Pratipaksha Bhavana, then the mind becomes completely free from all the rajas. Akalmasham. The kalmash. Kalmash also means impurity. Here you can call it tamas. So akalmasham, free from tamas. Shantarajasam, free from rajas. The mind becomes completely sattvic. Completely tranquil, completely pure or placid, because it is free from all rajas and tamas. Like as we said, a, a pond or a pool of water. If there is dirt in the pool of water, 
and the surface also is disturbed, then we cannot see through clearly what is the bottom. But then, when all the dirt is removed, when the surface also becomes calm, then the water becomes a transparent body. And you can see through. Like when you go to Hawaii, go to certain places, where the water is so transparent, you can see what is at the bottom. Because there is no dust dirt there. And there is no disturbance there. So when mind also becomes like that, akalmasham, there is no dust, shandarism, no, no superficial disturbance or agitation. So thus, in short, when the mind becomes free from rajas and tamas, it becomes prashantam, totally tranquil, transparent. And then, Lord Krishna says, Uttamam sukham enam yoginam upayati. Uttamam sukham nirdishayam sukham. Sukham or happiness which is nirdishayam, unsurpassable, immeasurable, immeasurable happiness. Enam yoginam upayati. Immeasurable happiness, in fact, come reaches this yogi. Not that the yogi goes to happiness. Happiness comes to him. In fact, happiness doesn't have to come. He is happiness. But the reason for saying that the happiness comes to him is that there is no effort involved on his part to become happy, understand? Because happiness is the nature. Happiness becomes manifest. That's all you have to say. When all the clouds are removed, how the sun becomes manifest? Because sun has been shining already. And so also the sun of happiness has always been shining. These rajas, tamas, ignorance, these are the clouds that have been obstructing the manifestation of the happiness which is myself. And don't think that yogi is happy now, he's always happy already. But whatever little residual uh, residual obstruction was there is also removed and therefore without any reservation without any hesitation or without any obstruction the happiness or wholeness which is nature takes over him meaning that he becomes nothing but the pool of limitless happiness <coughs> not only at that moment as you even to the extent that these rajasthamas is reduced to that extent, you do experience happiness. You don't have to wait until then. In fact, on this path of yoga, karma yoga and dhyana yoga, every moment you gain happiness. In any moment, as I said, you do something good, then you feel good, and therefore you feel happy, so the reward is immediate. And to the extent that our mind becomes purer and purer, more and more tranquil, to that extent, effortlessly, you find yourself happy for no reason at all. And that happiness or fullness, there's a culmination. When finally also, ignorance is not there, but the habitual rajasthamas which were there, when they are also completely gone, then without any obstruction or without any reservation at all, the happiness or fullness which is the nature of the yogi, that remains, you know, the yogi totally abides in that. So Lord Krishna says that happiness comes to him. 
Upayati Yoginam. It comes to Yogi. Meaning that no effort is required on the part of the Yogi to be happy because happiness is his nature. And so this is a very important thing. Normally we always chase happiness. Ideally happiness should chase us. That's how it should be. So that is called the life of yoga. Where I am not the chaser of happiness. Where happiness follows me on account of what I do, on account of what I am. And that culminates into the yogi completely getting submerged into this pool or ocean of happiness. Where there is no separate existence at all. All that is, is nothing but one boundless happiness or consciousness or fullness. <coughs> so this is the ultimate result of the Dhyana Yoga or the meditation upon the Self. <coughs> we'll continue next time. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrutau Vande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyomavat Vyapta Dehaya Dakshinamurtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri 